a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me as always, the four-armed unnamed gladiator to my terminally disabled Han Solo, it's John Campbell. <laughs> you know what? I think the, the wording and energy of that matched this issue of Star Wars perfectly. I struggle sometimes to find those little like opening bits because uh, occasionally there's not a lot going on in these issues for me to pull from. Well, luckily that's not the case this Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait. Uh-oh. Yeah, no. This is uh is this the lightest we've ever had this comic be? I just in terms of like emptiness, not in terms of uh tone. Yeah, cuz that's the thing. We've had issues that are sort of Broadly speaking, recap issues. I'm looking specifically at the issues directly following the translation of A New Hope when we start getting into the original story stuff, where like a lot of that first issue was just like, oh yeah, and Han Solo thinking about A New Hope. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, I. but this one really is like, uh, well, I can't get through this arc too fast, so let's just <laughs> pause, reflect on what we've done, hint at where we're going. Man, and, I want my 35 cents back. Yeah, uh, it does. There are a couple of interesting things in this issue that uh, mm -hmm. we'll talk about, but they are very light. They are the 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 the, the corn puff in between the uh, crunch berries, if you will, of this Captain Crunch of an issue. Oh, good Lord, are they ever. Yeah, this is it, folks. <laughs> and, and by the way, it's issue 20. And when you reach issue 20, I am starting to go like, what have we done with our lives? Um, well, I mean, by the time you get to a 20th issue, it feels like you've really made a commitment because you're farther along. You're, you're, I, I, issue Especially now, if it's, if it's modern day and you make it 20 issues, you are one of the longest running books on shelves. Right. Like 12 <laughs> issues means you've made it a year. And at that point, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, if we're going to put our sword down and walk away from this fight, now's the time. We push anywhere yeah. past 12. And before you get to 24, you're committed. Absolutely, but I'm saying that, yeah, I mean, specifically, like we were talking about, specifically now, uh, who I wish I could remember who uh, who said this, but I th was like, can Marvel just admit they don't make ongoing series anymore, and it's just miniseries after miniseries after miniseries? And there are a couple of exceptions to that, but they're, they're broadly they're, but... speaking the rarity, not they're the exception, not the rule. Right, exactly. Most most of the time, even, you know, the biggest characters at Marvel will get, like, 10, 12 issues, and then it goes back to number one. Right, yeah, exactly. Sometimes even with the same creative team, almost making the, same, making the whole thing feel like, what was the point of any of this? It makes collecting trades of certain series oh, really difficult. <laughs> impossible sometimes. I remember my sister used to work in a library, and she would talk about, she would call me sometimes going, like, I have to categorize the graphic novel section. I don't understand any of this. And I'd be like, okay, here you go. Here's the thing. All right. The Kelly Sudikonic Captain Marvel run. It has two volume ones. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> this is nuts. I, I uh, have the, the complete uh, run of uh, G. Willow Wilson's Miss Marvel, right? Um, right, yeah. And 
the weird thing about that trade run specifically is they never break the volume order in no. terms of the trade, but the comic does reset twice during it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, speaking of which, we are on issue number 20 of 20. Uh, the, the Marvel Star Wars comic from 1977, though this mm. particular issue was released February 20th, 1979. Uh, we are on mm. issue number 20. We've got a lot of the same creative team as before. We're keeping some consistent creatives on this, which I do really appreciate. Well, as we talk about, this is this is kind of the first time they're going for like a longish arc in the book. You know, it, and, and one that's yeah. not like a direct pastiche of Magnificent Seven or something. <laughs> or Pirate World. Or, uh, yeah, Yahweh whatever eight. that was. Uh, but yes, uh, we've got uh, Archie Goodwin on writing. We've got Carmen Infantino back on pencils. We've got Bob Wyacek on inks. We've got George Russos on colors. And John Costanza on letters with a certain shooter in the background on a grassy knoll waiting to take his shot. Shooter. He's coming. (laughs) Yeah, no, Shooter's ever going like, someday this will all be mine, baby. (laughs) One day there'll be a man with a jerry curl and Spider-Man will teach him how to poop. (laughs) For those who have not read Secret Wars 2, I know that sentence sounds insane, but that's what happens. (laughs) And, I, and and folks who have not read it, that sentence is not even as insane as that book is. Not so, even close, no. No, that book is absolutely nuts. <laughs> uh, uh, but let's get into okay. this nuts of a book, because, uh, yeah, let's start with the cover here, where we've got Death Game, a title that is not in at all uh, earned by this issue. Lord, no. And I love, of course, I mean, they're, they are leading with the action that is... A surprisingly small part of this, but I'm just glad that Goro from Mortal Kombat got some more work. Don't slander Goro <laughs> like that. This is a four-armed walrus man because all aliens in this comic are walrus men. <laughs> well, it's, it is. It is. It, it does feel like that's what Infantino likes to draw or could draw. So he's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's gonna be a walrus. <laughs> it's gonna How many aliens have we seen so far with walrus tusks? It's a lot. It's a lot. I think we talked about that last week on the show. That it's just like we just kept seeing, yep, more tusks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. go again, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, it's like he looks at every alien he finishes drawing and goes like, I don't know, it needs something. Mm-hmm. Tusk. Yeah, sure. Like, that's the go-to <laughs> alien accoutrement. Because you know what's pretty alien? Tusks. You almost don't have tusks. I was, lo- I was I, I'm desperately looking online right now. I was like, how far in advance does this predate the character of Goro? And it's by a lot. Because uh, yeah, the, the first Mortal Kombat game is 92. I don't mean to slag off Goro. I love I love me some Goro in Mortal Kombat. But uh, it, 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 when I was reading this last night, you see a four-armed fighter in like a tournament, and I'm going, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And obviously, like, there's no shortage of four-armed aliens going back to, like, Edgar Rice Burroughs. So, like, oh, this classic. is not... Yeah. Well, because it's exactly what we're talking about, where it is just like, hmm, what seems alien? Mm-hmm. Well, more than two arms, that's for sure. Uh, speaking of aliens, can we talk about Dick Nose on the cover here? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that is a very crude thing for me to say, but this guy's got a big, bad case of penis nose. I, I mean, I, I I can't blame you. I'm looking at it like it's one of the, <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. 
I mean, obviously it tapers to a finer point than I think most uh, uh, genitalia would. Most healthy penises, yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but th- this is one of those aliens where it's like... like this. Talk to a doctor. Yeah. Uh, th- there's something about like a, a prehensile nose that isn't quite a trunk that I always find so disturbing. I'm just yep. like, what evolutionary purpose does that serve? I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, this, I mean, we're really dealing in some Flash Gordon-y stuff, too, yeah. here, where it's just like, just make them weird, alien, yeah. you know, it's just that sort of thing. Um, and, it, yeah, it's it's these two weird aliens. We don't see the other one's face. I guess, presumably, he probably has a similar nose, because it seems like they're of the same race, except one is pink and one is green, but they have the same weird sort of pointed ears. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but they're watching a TV screen on the cover here of Han Solo being attacked by Goro uh, from Mortal Kombat, uh, <laughs> wielding four spikes in his four hands. Meanwhile, R2 and 3PO are also watching the same screen, though. Actually, R2 is facing away from it, presumably because it's too grim to watch. Uh, while oh, I can't while, look. While 3PO says, Captain Solo is doomed, R2. There's no way we can help him. And I mean, he's right, oh. but... As I just scroll down here, because I'm looking at this sideways on the tablet I have, and I just see without the caption, it looks like 3PO just going, I know him! Because <laughs> he is I pointing at the screen, guy. yeah. Look! Han's on TV! Ah, too, it's our friend from work. <laughs> well, how did he get on television? Um, and he, by the way, I love the, you know... The, the really accentuated, uh, like, uh, light uh, beam coming off of 3PO Oh, there. the lens flare, yeah. The lens flare, yeah, where it's just like, good lord, he is real shined up here. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, speaking of getting shined up, let's get into this issue here, because uh, we start in on what is supposedly an X-Wing, but I don't know. Yeah, they tell me this is an X-Wing. Um, this has the basic shape of an x-wing but it's all wrong first off first and foremost it's in the middle of flying and its landing struts are down come on this is basic people (laughs) it's true it's true it's pew pew and all this looks like the like um walgreens spaceship that you get that's non-star wars brand yeah this is space battle x-wing yeah yeah and, like, <laughs> and your grandfather doesn't know the difference right exactly <laughs> like, like space toys i got a lot of those uh-huh. as a kid he's <laughs> like this is from what uh, uh this is the classic oh, character oh. cherberker uh from yeah. space battle <laughs> anyway this is pew pew and, and and it's really trying to Open this book up with some big action. Right, because we have this whole description of this X-Wing swooping in from nowhere and destroying this uh, Rularian pleasure yacht that has just departed from the wheel. Because lest we forget, we are all of our action is taking place on this giant space station that is nothing but casinos called the wheel. The wheel in the sky keeps on turning. That's all I can think about every time I... It's true, but thanks to the relative motion of space, uh, the turning helps create gravity. That's why it does that, John. That's why it actually, yeah, little known fact, actually, Journey wrote that song about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Journey, very heady of its time in terms of space station development. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so once again, we are promising a death game. Yeah, we are in the middle of a death game, uh, but the 
game is afoot as this X-Wing, a rebel X-Wing, shoots down a civilian ship. And it's like, rebels shooting civilians? Why would that happen? I know. Immediately from page one, I'm going, what is going on here? Even though the last two issues have been about a weird cover-up in which the Empire is trying to make it look like rebels are attacking people. Which I gotta say, it's such an interesting idea that is not fleshed out in in the in the rest of the story at all basically other than it like not, well, it is just a thing that's going on it is not like a focus of the plot here but it is like this whole issue is about that it's just really boring is all <laughs> it's just so it's just like why do we have to be on a like casino station when like that's an interesting idea wouldn't there be an interesting idea about like the rebels trying to prove that they're not doing this or something? Instead, it's kind of just everybody running around the space station. If we were in a location in which the rebels had some kind of stake in public opinion, if yeah. they were in a location in which like the rebels and the empire were warring for the hearts and minds of the local populace, that would be yeah, one that's, thing. That's kind of what I'm talking about, right? Like, but yeah. we're in a location that is already so like morally deprived and removed from that conflict that everyone here specifically is here because we don't care about the politics of what's going on. We just want to gamble and watch people die and try to swindle each other. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, I guess that's, that's what I'm talking about where it's like, this just ha doesn't have a, uh, a, 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 an impact on the plot. It, it's this thing that's just happening and everybody's like, yeah, but it, it, it's not a fact. Our characters are like in danger because Han Solo is in a gladiatorial pit, not because people think he's responsible for terrorist attacks. Right. And because Leia is kind of the princess in the proverbial castle for most of the issue, we don't see anyone who might react to her because she's such a face of the rebellion. If we had crowds of people going like, you're Princess Leia, you're in charge of the rebellion and the rebellion is killing our people. What the fuck? Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, no, it, no, God, no, <laughs> no, uh, because yeah, uh, there is no chance. Uh, there is nothing. What is it? Uh, there is nothing chance or random in the rebel craft crafts appearance. This is weirdly written. Uh, it is a carefully calculated move in a vast and deadly scheme, a death game, if you will. Uh, because yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, let's go inside the, uh, the, the inside within the glittering gambling palaces of the wheels inner rim city. I will say we were, we've been praising Goodwin the last couple of issues of having like a lighter touch with the, uh, the, the oh, narrative the, captions. Not, week, not in this week. No, he, he oh, sort of just boy. like it, thir 30 or 40 years in the past. He heard us praising him and went, Oh, that's what they think. Huh? Well, <laughs> jokes on them. I'll show them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, the other thing, there were several times during this, uh, that I had to go back and reread a couple of his, like, phrasings where I'm like, oh, that's a weird way to say that. I, this doesn't happen to me a lot, but it happened to me this issue, which is so fascinating because it's such a slight issue. Otherwise, it's only 17 pages. Mm -hmm. I had to go back and reread pages of this because like I'd gotten through specifically at this early chunk, I'd read through like four or five pages. And then as I was getting further into the book, I realized like I didn't absorb any of what was actually said in those last few pages. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of what I'm talking about where it's like, I had to go back and go like, no, wait, what did he say? What is, it, all right, what is that implying? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Way too complex. 
and yet not complex. It's this issue's a mess. It's not necessarily complex. It's just wordy in a way that is just like I guess doesn't impact the plot. Yeah, I guess that's that's what I mean. It's it's it's, it's overwritten. Is mm, I guess what mm-hmm. I'd say complex. Where you're just going like there wasn't an easier way to say that. Especially, I mean, look, I'm all for you know heady comic book writing, but it's like we're we're just trying to have a zippy space adventure here, folks. Right. Uh, because yes, we then have our Tie Fighters deployed from. Okay, I thought it was a Star Destroyer that uh, Commander Strom has been flying, but this thing is consistently drawn in this issue as like, I don't know, like a a skillet in space or something. (laughs) Like it looks like a it looks like a frying pan most of the time. It does. Is he trying to go for like an aircraft carrier look, where it's like a even though that doesn't make any sense because you're landing inside of it. It's not the but it, it looks like he's trying to do the, like, smooth runway of the aircraft carrier, but it's on the bottom of the ship. It's so weird. Well, the top so of the weird. ship is flat, too. Like, it, yeah. you sometimes see these frying pans are like these big oblong skillets, right, that you just place yeah, yeah, on, yeah, the, yeah. On, the, on the stove top. Yeah. It looks yeah. like one of those. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's what we want spaceships to look like. It's, it's crockery. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it is so interesting to see, once again, and, and always, the caveat of this whole thing is we know. We know there's only the one movie to go off of, right? right. Yeah. So, But it is it is interesting to see when they try to add their own, like, designs to this universe, just how weird it is because we're so familiar with what the basic ship design of Star Wars is. Right. To see, yeah. so like, that would never be in Star Wars. And same thing with, like, the aliens. Like, a lot of these aliens running around the wheel, you're going, like, that is so far off model for anything in the realm of, of a Star Wars-looking <laughs> alien. Um, but we do get a couple of advanced ties coming out of this uh, carrier and oh, go to like go blow up that X-Wing. Very cool. I mean, we, we, I, we, I think we have talked about this before. Infantino... He draws a good explosion, man. Look at that thing going up. Yeah, this last panel on that page is the TIE Fighters. And we also get a couple of aliens chattering at each other, being like, what, the rebels are attacking? Well, the Empire's defending us. Okay, I guess they're okay. Because, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to gambling. Anyway, back to gambling. Uh, specifically, one of the aliens says, I knew those rebels were crazy. At least the Empire had the sense to keep its hands off the wheel. Look, but, I don't care who's in charge as long as they're not hassling us. I mean, that seems to be the approach here. But obviously this play is so that the Empire can kind of weasel its way into taking control of the wheel and have the citizens? I, do people live on the wheel? I don't even unclear, know. Unclear, unclear. Yeah, the, I will say I, the, the there's this is a perfect example of, I think, a big problem with a lot of this book and something that most other Star Wars is good about is... This is a the wheel is an interesting idea in the world of Star Wars that this doesn't actually bother to explore in any interesting at least not so far. Yeah, it's all it's all because it's all ultimately about like let's go to the next page here. It's all ultimately just sort of this like political machinations of these two assholes. Right, because we cut to Leia throwing a fit God, in front you- of. Uh, and ba- or uh, admin- senator and administrator. He it goes back and forth in this issue. He prefers to be called senator, even though the Senate doesn't exist anymore. But he is That's technically exactly. the administrator. He's the administrator of the wheel, but he used to be part of the Galactic Senate, and he yes. still would like you to call him senator. So I'm already confused. This is, this is already hurting my brain. Anyway, he's gray shade, very on the nose name. Uh, 
Every time it comes up, I'm like, come on. Who? That just shows you that there was no editorial oversight on this book, right? They were just like, no. great, whatever. It looks fine. Get it out. Sure. And look, yeah. it's a comic book. You can have on-the-nose names. One of my favorite comic book characters is literally named Doctor Doom. I'm not throwing stones at these sorts of things. You, I mean, that's my all-time. That's a number one supervillain for me. So, yeah. <laughs> you'll hear no unkind words about Victor Von Doom here. Right. And, like literally doom is in his name so like it i'm is. not <laughs> but there's something about this is a comic book but it's also continuing star wars so it's this weird thing where you're putting it in my mindset of like yeah sure in the star wars comic that's fine if that showed up in a movie i'd be like oh come on look john the main bad guy's name is dark father what are you expecting here yeah but that's at least like obfuscated by one level <laughs> By the word Darth and the fact that Vader only means father in what Dutch or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. Like, at least, at least there's once again one level deeper. <laughs> His name is just Gray Shade. He exists <laughs> in shades of gray. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If it was like, <clears throat> if it actually was Lord Darkfather, <laughs> you'd be Fair like, enough. I don't like this movie. Um, and. Boy, I swear she gets harsher looking every week with this book. Yeah, her eyebrows are certainly all over the place. Uh, the the angular nature of her bosoms just is constantly distracting to me. It is everything in in Infantino is sharp. Yeah, like there's no curves to the body of anyone at all, or there's no there's not a lot of like sort of just natural softness of a human face or body. So yeah, everything on this woman. Look at even like, look at how sharp the ends of her cloth, cloth like dress is. Yeah. That's going to cut you. I recently saw a pretty brilliant cosplay of someone dressing up as Lara Croft from the Tomb Raider video games, but specifically the polygonal PS1 era have, Lara Croft. I have seen that. It's pretty great. <laughs> and this is what that reminds me of. It is very much that, where it is just like, I'm sorry, what must everything be this? Yeah, I I mean, look, I, who am I to question Carmine Infantino? But it is like, I don't know, maybe some anatomy classes wouldn't have hurt him. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing, it's right? very stylized. And talk about stylized. Oh, man, this 70s outfit on Grey Shade. Good gal. Yeah, he's got like a Dracula collar without the cape. It's just attached to a vest. He's got these poofy pirate arms. Or actually, no, there is a cape, but it only appears in the last bottom right panel. Well, um, I'll say there's the, the, there's some, number one, and also just because it's the 70s, I just see this page, and, and, and anytime I read older comics, it is like, look at all these words. Look at how much of this page is filled with words. I love the second panel here because it is such a classic example of how much time is actually taking place in between the action and the words being said here. Because Leia is kicking over a table, like I said, throwing also, a fit about just like, Grey Shade, you're a son of a bitch. It's basically the whole page, right? Yeah. <laughs> you never wasted an opportunity to enrich yourself at the expense of others. As wheel administrator, I thought you'd fight the Empire scheme to fake rebel attacks so they'd be justified in taking over the place and all the wealth it brings in. But that ugly charade we've just witnessed proves you're going along with them, she says while kicking a table. <laughs> and also, I mean, you want to talk about anatomy or human motion. What is the position of her body as she's kicking this table because that doesn't make any sense at all okay this is the only way it made sense to me and i thought the exact same <laughs> thing while i was reading this is yeah the chair she's like 
at a, I don't know, 75 degree angle to the floor here. So the mm-hmm. only thing I could think is that her right foot is planted on the ground and you can kind of see her knee is bent there a little bit. She has mm-hmm. pushed herself backwards so that the chair, which is apparently on rollers, rolls right. away from her. She's pushing herself back and down so that her left leg can come up and kick the table up from beneath. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. No, no, because I, in the next I, panel I we see her, I'm she's like, standing upright as opposed to having fallen yeah, over, but whatever. I agree. That's what I'm looking at here. Also, I just love the idea of a chair on rollers in Star Wars. When do you ever see somebody push a chair and it goes rolling away in Star Wars? That's insane. That's another thing. Imagine while she's saying this, you're also just hearing as that chair rolls across the floor. I want to see a stormtrooper and his buddy in a rolly chair pushing down the hallway of a Star Destroyer so badly and just like them coming around zipping around a corner being confronted by Darth Vader and them going oh "Oh, shit as the chair slowly rolls to a stop (laughs) Uh, Lord Vader uh, yes uh, a wonderful day we're having uh, yes uh. well uh, Lord Vader the uh, floors just got waxed and uh, we get some really good rollies right after that happens so uh, uh, really get a running stars like (laughs) you don't have to tell me about office chair Olympics (laughs) seems pretty wizard if you ask me (laughs) yeah you're right though he has no cape until the last panel and then yeah and also Princess Leia has uh is holding on to a knife that's the whole uh, thing is this all seems to be a ploy on Leia's part to like basically secrete a knife from this uh tea set that she's knocked over in the first panel yeah it's unclear what's going on exactly there you see the knife in air as she kind of reaches out for it there yeah on the first panel and then you mm-hmm. realize she still has it at the end but also folks welcome back the horniest robot in all of Star Wars, Mastercom. Mastercom with your techno nipples, save me. That's that's why I imagine every time he comes in a room. How uh-huh. y'all doing? Are you there, Mastercom? Yeah. <laughs> um, what is this thing that's on the ground here? That's it's a going- vacuum droid. It it feels like it was it did not get a whole lot of detail put in there, did it? Yeah, it's it's a it's a space Roomba. Don't worry about it. I think it, he technically calls it a servo droid. Um, yeah, get that servo droid in here. Oh, oh with pleasure, baby. Yeah. Oh, 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 Master calm. Because. <laughs> uh, uh, Grey Shade leaves the room because he doesn't have time for Leia's emotional outbursts. He has to go make sure that their uh, special guest is taken care of. Whatever. She's probably on her period. Um, Jesus Christ. I mean, that <laughs> sounds like a Grey Shade thing to say. Yeah. Oh, come on with that mustache. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and his, get... whatever the equivalent of Widow's Peaks are, if they're coming out of your sideburns. Yeah, man, he's starting a whole new thing. He's, he's got the widow's peak in the center of his forehead, yeah. but then he's got two other points on his hair that are near his temples, and they're not widow's peaks. I guess they would be like dowager widow's peaks. I don't know. All I know is this guy's taken well over an hour to get ready in the morning. Oh yeah, hundred percent. This is meticulously crafted. Um. <laughs> So uh, we get Speaking this of meticulously class, 
uh, crafted. Let's spend an entire page of him getting on uh, several layers of transportation to move oh, through the system. My God, I did. This is where <laughs> this is where I knew this issue was in trouble. Also, um, I know that they're going for like effect, but uh, why does this uh, like elevator shaft narrow greatly down the stretch there? Look at that thing. <sighs> We spent. Oh, wait, gotta squeeze it in there. Oh, oh, oh. It, yeah, it's supposed to be like a forced perspective thing, and it's just drawn weirdly. It's not working. No. <laughs> well, frequently when I say what's going on here, I, I know what they're trying to do. It's just going like you're failing. I it know. looks like I'm just like oh wait, it. I'm trying to help describe it for the people who aren't on YouTube and watching it and reading along with us. Those of you who are just on the podcast, yeah, there is a a tube that is drawn that he's, like, uh, going down this vacuum lift, as it's called. um, And somebody fucked up the line work, and it just looks like the tube is just narrowing way too quickly. Yeah, it... (laughs) It looks like when you're writing something, you realize you've run out of room, so it starts to shrink down. <laughs> and then you just never erased anything and went with, like, oh, I just got to move it on the next panel. It's, it's the happy birthday where the A and the Y at the end are slightly oh, smaller. Oh, yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's like, oh, that's not enough. Then he's got to get into this little rocket car. Yeah, we spend a whole page of him riding an elevator and then him riding in what is effectively the mall segue of the wheel, which is this, like, uh, transport tube bullet ship that he then can ride around the outside of the wheel on. You know, I've, I've written for the comics medium and, like, panels and anyone who's done it at all, you, you think about the real estate of a page, right? And, like, how much story can I put in panels? Here's a book that just doesn't give a fuck. It's just like, whatever, here's a whole page showing a guy moving from one place to another. And maybe, maybe, if there was dialogue in these pages that, like, impacted the plot in any way, shape, or form, or or if there were captions telling us important information that might be relevant, that would be one thing. But literally every bit of dialogue or caption work in the first four panels in this page are just describing him going to another place. (laughs) He acts shitty to a robot driver and insists he be called Senator. I mean, I believe that's just another Mastercom unit, isn't it? I Yeah, this was my question, too. His little Uber driver is also just Mastercom again. Right. right? Mastercom can well, appear throughout the station as different robot bodies. That seems to be the case. But then even, like, when you read the captions, it's all just describing the journey we're looking at. Exactly. With the hiss there, the bullet-shaped craft hur- uh, hurls along the tube, one of many running up and down the wheel's main spoke. Who cares? I can see it, number one. Yeah, like I said, the, even the caption work here is just describing him going someplace else that mm-hmm. A, we're then, seeing, and B, isn't relevant to the plot. And then the last page is just the ship docked, and he's like, let's get some drinks. Yeah, I, I, I guess this is Commander Stur- Strom saying this as he says, Ah, Grayshade, this time I'll pour the drinks, for our newly formed partnership is off to a fine start. Ha! <laughs> We're the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, and now we just get several pages of bad guy talks on this Strom's is, uh, skillet chip. This is legitimately terrible. 
these next couple pages are just the two of them talking about like, oh, I'm doing evil things. Well, I'm doing evil things too. <laughs> yeah, I I don't want to go get into a lot of the dialogue here because it is kind of clunky and stupid and covering a lot of the stuff we've already covered. I'm gonna say, and it's telling us nothing we don't already know. Yeah, which again. 70s comics, especially in this era of Marvel, where it's like the first issue you're reading could be this issue, so they've got to recap some of this stuff. And I get that. But spending a whole page just reiterating how the evil, bald, Nazi-looking motherfucker is the bad guy is unnecessary because of how he's drawn. This is Lex (laughs) Luthor dressed as a Nazi. It is. And I gotta say, um, I usually expect better tailoring from the Empire. Look at those sleeves! Yeah, he's got a little bit of a, a sloppy Susan going on here with these sleeves. I recently lost some weight, and they haven't given me a new uniform. <laughs> yeah, Look, at that Look at that boy! That belt is cinched in the bunch up of fabric. Yeah. This thing is loose off of him. Th- this is his comfy, like Sunday, like uh, like extra clothes while all the other stuff is in the the wash. These are my lo- this is my lounging uniform, and we're gonna we're gonna this book loves to have characters lounge, and we're gonna get more lounging, baby. Oh yeah, if you thought Captain Jack uh, or uh, Crimson Jack was uh, yeah. a lounger, just wait until you see Captain Strom lounging later in this issue. And then okay, so we already on the last page we saw the skillet ship docked on the wheel. Mm-hmm. Then we get this shot of the two of them having drinks. Then back to, for no reason, outside the ship skillet again. Just with dialogue. Make it, it's space, John. It's, don't you know? You got to eventually show us I more space. Into, think, about, think about that. Could you imagine if a movie did an establishing shot, then a two shot of a conversation, then back out to an establishing shot, then back into close-ups? Uh, unless, unless there had been like detail changes on the exterior that were important to the story, that would be an insane prospect. But this is comics, John. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Well, no, we can't. It's just one of the, (laughs) we can do it, but should we do it is a good question here. Um, Especially when you have two big dialogue bubbles uh, coming out of that spaceship. And if you don't see the characters who are talking, there's no way of telling those dialogue bubbles apart. It's kind of a problem. (laughs) Well, yeah, because these two characters don't have any difference in how they talk. They're both just sniping bad guys. Yeah, I mean, you can pick up who's talking based on context, but the context is, we're both evil. (laughs) Gray shade could have, I don't know, maybe more shades of gray. Mm. Instead, they're both just kind of bastards talking about how they love being bastards to people. Because basically what they're doing is they're reiterating the plan that the Empire is making it look like the rebellion has turned against the wheel so that when the Empire inevitably, like, seizes control of the wheel, the people of the wheel will just kind of accept it. Yes, exactly. Um, I love this drink-serving droid, though. (laughs) Your martini, sir. (laughs) Star Wars has a long, Uh, proud history of uh, drink-service droids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's what R2 was doing on uh, Jabba's Barge, of course, in Jedi. Absolutely. Uh, uh, well, on the YouTube channel, we'll talk about, uh, I think it'll probably already be up there by the time this episode comes out, is our review of uh, Jedi Survivor, oh, yeah, the new yeah. video game. And that's got a very good bartending droid in it. It sure does. 
<laughs> the finest bartending joy this side of Tatooine. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, so let's go to this next page here. I was just going to say the really disturbing thing, though, before we go to the next page is uh, that close up of Strom laughing. Boy, that that's going to haunt me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about Strom's emotional, uh, like where he's at here, because uh, oh, we the play, man. <laughs> on this next page, uh we have this conversation continuing on and basically gray shades whole thing is just like, look, so long as you're not cutting into the profits, you're going to get your cut and we're all going to be happy. And then yeah. he says, but I intend to move cautious. Gray shade says, but I intend to move cautiously. And I strongly suggest you do the same with the empire's business. And Strom freaks the fuck out. Almost <laughs> like a threat, but not really. And he's just like, yeah. And he throws his drink down. Keep in mind, just two panels ago, he was chuckling evilly and going, oh, so, and then he's just like, oh, maybe be a little careful. Are you threatening me, you son of a bitch? Because Strom says, that sounds like a threat. And Grayshade says, I have to interpret as one. <laughs> Grayshade says, it's good advice, Commander. And Strom responds with i won't run a military operation to suit the f uh to suit the pace of your schoolboy romance grayshade again doubling down on the fact that grayshade has a thing for princess leia which is well, just gross ever but, a creep he's got a creep stash he's got weird he's just a creep. Mm -hmm. but strom continues and any politician's trick to make me do so will backfire fatally and the fatally i do like the pacing here because it's like emphasizing yeah. that the throwing of a glass down on the floor is him emphasizing and if you try to make me do what you want i will kill you but to emphasize that with the throwing of a glass on the floor is just such an escalation of force it's here actually when like yeah he's sort of kind of threatening him i, I you should move cautiously. I suggest you, you know, be careful about things. And then just go, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah, Strom is unhinged. Yeah. And then, I mean, but then once again, too wordy. So he does that. That makes its point. But then he's like, I believe in action, Senator. And I'm not departing the wheel until I see some from you. It's like... And then finally, where are the bodies? I want to see some dead people right now. Well, because the whole thing is gray shade is like, okay, I will kill all the rebels who have snuck onto the station that Strom chased here. That's totally fair. I get to keep Princess Leia because I'm a creep, but I will absolutely make sure that all of her friends are dead before you leave. Now, you're a murderer and I'm a rapist, so we both have to have a, you know. <laughs> yeah. Both got our games here. Yeah, and then of course we got a flashback to the Millennium Falcon coming upon that destroyed ship from the last issue, from the ta of the from a House of Tag merchant ship. Oh, I, I'm still like a little bit just like oh House of Tag that's a thing I can't believe it started this that is, early. That is nice, but it's just like uh, we how much previously can one comic do is the question. Uh a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is an issue for those who haven't been paying attention. We're just going to spend this whole issue catching you up. Especially considering that whole, like, destroying the House of Tag merchant ship. 
is reiterated at the start of this issue with that X-Wing, right? Like, they yep. did the yep. thing again. You don't need to remind us that they already did the thing before, because you did the thing again, just to reiterate. They seem to be reiterating, like, okay, you've been doing this thing, and also it was particularly, it's, it's already dangerous you're doing a thing. Mm-hmm. Now it's even more dangerous because you did this thing to a specifically powerful thing. Like, this seems to just be indicating, no, but it was House of Tag, which, once again, we only know through years of later context. I've just been rereading... This, this wouldn't have meant anything, even. Like, very recent Star Wars comics have actually dealt with the House of Tag in some big ways during the, like, War of the Bounty right. Hunters crossover. Um, but, like... Everything to do with Afra in that crossover. Through context clues, you can figure out, oh, that's, you know, high society, big-time stuff. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't have, like, a ton of impact right now if you're just reading this... To the point where you need a separate other flashback to go like, oh, a house of tag. Yeah. No, it has no context here. Weird. Uh, And then it's like, oh, and uh, what are we? uh, How many pages into this are we? We're like six or seven pages in at this point. Yeah. Eight. Uh, I guess seven because not counting the cover. Uh, And it's like, oh, and what about the main characters of Star Wars? What are they up to? Well, let me tell you. Yeah, because on this next page we have, uh, don't worry, we'll take care of them. Uh, let's have Mastercom patch some sightings from his scanner into the your communication systems here. So we get our recap on where everyone's at. Mastercom, please check in with the main characters of Star Wars. Um, yeah. The and Mastercom, of course, saying, oh, yeah, I'll check oh, in. Oh, yeah, baby, they're all hotties. <laughs> Um. Yeah. They. Luke is in the hospital because he's in some sort of state of shock from what? Would he got a too too much of a force meld or whatever? He got a force vision that kind of knocked him off his rocker for a little bit. And the and fact that this book actually doesn't recap that is kind of weird, considering everything else that's recapped. Yeah, they just talk about that uh, one of Princess Leia's friends is here in the wheel hospital, apparently in some strange state of shock. Also, just the idea that they're like, you know, one of Leia's friends, he's not a super important guy or anything. I know that they don't know that he's Luke Skywalker, so I guess that's I guess fine. they know, but they do know Chewbacca and Han Solo because they'll call them by name. Well, and they've also been processed into the the great game. Oh, and... I'm sorry. Wait, did I say Chewbacca? I'm sorry, I meant Sasquatch. <laughs> oh, of Alpha well. Flight fame? Yeah, it seems like this is Sasquatch of Alpha Flight because, <laughs> man, he is looking less and less like Chewbacca in every issue. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on with him here. He's got like a jumping Jack Flash kind of like they're giving him a, a an old Kashyyyk hot foot. Uh, <laughs> the old Kashyyyk hot foot. Um, <laughs> He's jumping through... Me? Fire holes. I don't know what's happening in this page. Why did Chewbacca ever have like human feet like that? He does. You never see them in shot because he's always like much taller than everybody else. But he does have like big Sasquatch feet. Let me check it. I'm gonna destroy my. Uh, You're gonna type in Chewbacca's in feet Chewbacca into feet. Google. Yeah. <laughs> Chewbacca feet. <laughs> oh boy, Josh, that is a. Dark, dark search. <laughs> okay, he does, but once again, there's more fur on them. Like, yeah, I'm looking for sure. At them. They're, they're more ape-like. Yes, exactly. They are. Uh, I'm actually looking at, and I didn't. Of course, this is like, oh, look at this. <laughs> uh, everybody, if you can just find this photo of Peter Mayhew in full costume, 
sitting in his chair on set, it's pretty funny. Like, <laughs> full movie, you know, quality Chewbacca just sitting waiting for the next take. Yeah. Pretty great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, we are, we've are we been really booking it through pages today, am I right? Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Chewbacca on the phone with his agent. I love the idea of Chewbacca highlighting his lines of like, Grrrg, warg, grrrg. Writing <laughs> subtext and tactic. Yeah. I think I'm mad on this one. My subtext is, how could you, Han? Uh, <laughs> and then, what is Han doing? He's got, he's got a... I don't even understand what I'm looking at here. I mean, okay. I kind of do. He's got, okay. What Help what me. we're told with the captions here is that Han and yeah. Chewie are both uh, being they've both been enlisted into the gladiator gladiator gladiatorial good lord that gladiatorial yes the gladiatorial combat that's happening on the wheel and in this issue it's called the big game I think the last big... issue it was called something else um, <laughs> and I'm sure next week it'll be called something even different yeah. Uh, but for now, it's the big game because they can't legally call it the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> the big game trailer. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but w- so what Chewbacca is doing, the giant Wookiee, which I never considered him especially large for a Wookiee. But yeah, I, I thought that, too. I'm like, is that implying that other Wookiees are smaller than him? I don't know. Uh, but he he's jumping across fire holes. There's literally holes in the ground that are shooting fire, and he's leaping through them. Good luck, Chewbacca, with the fire holes. Meanwhile, Han is in the danger room. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. Uh, there's a weird... Why did he draw some X-Men stuff in this? Um, he, 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 there's a sphere above him, and he's got a double-sided spatula, and he's using that spatula to ref- stop laser not... blasts from hitting him. You know what? I didn't expect so much kitchen equipment in this issue. I think... Spatulas? I think Infantino was just really hungry when he was drawing this mm-hmm. issue. I better make a grilled cheese. <laughs> French toast oh, sounds great right now. I'm gonna need a skillet and a spatula. Oh wait, did I draw those? Oh no. Uh, but it is like what this? What? Okay. And also, it is the insane thing where it's like, oh no, no, I'm going to kill these people. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Strom, just in incredibly complex and time-consuming manners. Right, like nothing is stopping him from just shooting these two, but no, because what we'll find out is that these two sequences that Han and Chewie are in are like training sims to rate them at a specific level so that they can be assigned the correct combat partners in the big game. I love that. I love that. When they talk about that later, this is uh, Han say something about this guy's outside of my weight class or something like that. Uh, Well, and. On the next page, we find out that like uh, we're gonna throw them into the big game. We're gonna, everyone's gonna make money on this, but and they'll die. We're all gonna be happy. But once again, they talk about on the next page. It is just like, yeah, so that's what happened to them. But didn't they have some droids with them? What are those crazy droids up to? Oh, they're in a closet somewhere. <laughs> Han, of course, as we know from last week, sold them for gambling stake. <laughs> Yeah, without their consent. Again, yeah. don't worry about droid ethics in Star Wars. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and so, and then we're back to the outside of the ship again. It is <sighs> like, by all means, just default to showing ships with dialogue bubbles. Right. And again, the fact that the dialogue bubbles then shift to yellow 
threw me for a loop because now I really don't know who's talking because Deadpool's suddenly here. Well, I will say they do that. It's, it's the same thing where like sometimes 3PO has like a yellow word bubble and sometimes he doesn't. That would make more sense just because of color coding and like, sure, it just distinguishes that he's not an organic that's speaking. Fine. I just, it just keep it consistent then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then we go to the gladiator pits. I don't know who this guy is, but he's got a real sharp pointy nose. I'm pretty sure this is Han Solo, whose face has been elongated by uh, the gladiatorial games. And he's trying to uh, cash in some tickets from the Family Fun Center for a prize. <laughs> no, 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 John. He's going over the daily film prints here. <laughs> Let's see. Hold on. I got to look at the dailies for uh, that we shot. Oh, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Uh, by the way, um, here's a term I don't know from Star Wars. You guys are jobbing me. That's it's like fifties slang, isn't it? Getting yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, jobbing me. That would have been out of date then. Yeah, <laughs> and it's Star Wars. Sure, two levels is this failing as dialogue, especially having Solo say that feels weird. You guys are jobbing once again. Having you guys are jobbing like trying to imagine Harrison yeah. Ford saying jobbing. Come on, yeah, yeah but- it is like. Uh, Goodwin, what happened this week, man? Like, what happened this month to you? Come on. I feel like this issue is a little bit rushed. It doesn't help that, like, this feels to me like a fill-in issue in the middle of this arc. It really does. And also, this is where he's complaining. You guys are jobbing me. I couldn't have tested out this high. I'll be fighting way out of my class. Yeah, so what what the things that these Han Solo is actually looking at is apparently, like, test results. I did. Come on, here. I did. I I didn't do this well. This must yeah. be something. There must be a mistake. These got switched with somebody else. And the employee of the wheel says, "It's a pl- It surprised us too, Solo. But that's yeah. what the skill and reaction printout says. And who are we to question the machine? Never question the skill and reaction printout. <laughs> Hold Which... on, the printout's coming through now. <laughs> so does that imply that? Each contestant gets an individual test in the way that we saw Chewbacca and Han doing two separate things. Or does that imply that Han also had to jump through the fire holes and Chewbacca and also had to wield the spatula? Yeah, I guess so, maybe. And then I also like, why complain? This puts you in a much higher pain preliminary. Yeah, why complain that you'll die instantly in gladiatorial <laughs> combat? Well, especially when we find out on the next page that, like, He's not allowed to use a blaster. So, like, what weapon can Han Solo use that's not a blaster? This is insane. He's talking. What's your specialty? And he goes, like, uh, well, I don't know. You won't let me use blasters. How about flying a ship? And they're like, no, you can't do either of those things. That's literally all I do. (laughs) And bullshit my way out of scenarios. That's what Han Solo can do. Yeah, it's insane to me. Uh, Instead, he's going to get, oh, boy. Uh, he's gonna get some kind of, I don't know, electro shield and mace. Look, he's clearly put in a couple of levels into cleric, and that lets him use mace and shield, and uh, implies a little holy power on them as well. I mean, look at that. Yeah, it is just boy, we're getting. I mean, and then once again, boom, cut to outside of that ship, baby. Yeah, uh, and that, and that com- moment is not long coming. Yeah. 
because uh, the guard says, very funny. We'll see if you're still laughing when you reach the arena. Implying that, like, okay, you don't have any specialties that we can equip you with? Well, tough. You're going to die. <laughs> Despite the fact we have put you in that situation to die and then kind of took the attitude of what are you complaining about? Why test him? Yeah, I don't even understand. This is so dumb. <laughs> Speaking of big, dumb things, cut to, at the bottom of this page, yeah, Han coming out with his mason shield, because apparently he is a servant of the great god Paylor now, um, and... These were, oh, I found these leftover props from a Conan comic we just put out. That's exactly what they look like, yeah. It's By a big Trump. ball spiked mace. Like it's such a classic looking, just like fantasy weapon and a shield with a big spike in the middle of it. It looks it, like something out of a Conan comic. It, it doesn't fit in Star Wars at all. Speaking of things that don't fit in Star Wars, let's talk about our Goro stand in here because yeah. his tusks have definitely changed orientation since the cover. Um, mm-hmm. Well, he's, now, clearly, he's clearly pulled them off and is using them as weapons. Here. That's <laughs> what confused me, right? Okay, this guy's got four spike things, one in each hand, yeah. and we'll find out later they're called what dagger thorns. Uh, yeah, we find right. it on this next page, which yeah, is the double page spread. Yeah. Um, and we find and, that out because it was a Han Solo thought bubble, of course. Dagger thorns, which oh, are so, so specific that Han can pick them out. Because yeah, he goes dagger thorns. Those things secrete venomous sap. Just a scratch is enough to kill. <laughs> so Great. Han Solo apparently tested so well that he's in his preliminary match supposed to fight this gigantic, four-armed, toothy mod, scaly monster who, on top of all of that, is wielding weapons that can instantly kill you if you touch them. Hey, man, that's what the tests say, all right? (laughs) And he's not allowed to use blasters, his primary mode of weapon. Check the printout, okay? (laughs) What does it say? Could he not have asked for a lightsaber? Excuse me. Do you have it? Yeah, it does seem like he. Re- I'll see yeah, what it, what they end up giving him. I mean, shouldn't he have uh, uh, vibra blades? Really, is of course what we would know later on would be what the thing. And these are almost kind of precursors to them. I is my head is like okay, that's what these are, and they have you just don't be, have right? the words for that yet. Yeah, but also it does just feel like once again they took these medieval Conan weapons and they go, uh, can we put like an energy aura around them to space them up a little bit? Sure. You couldn't have just like drawn a circuit pattern on any of them to make them more future. Yeah. Yeah. yeah t- you could take the basic shape and give them a little bit more. No, they just go, just put like an emanating sort of energy wave and we're good. I mean, I'd actually just... would have liked it more if there was Kirby crackle around them, but that's just oh, me. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, Cause that always says spacey. Yeah, absolutely, um, every time. But uh, <laughs> this just indicates how little they give a shit about this comic at this point, right? Like, it's just like, I don't know, man. There's I don't even know if it's necessarily give a shit. It's just like, what do these people know and how much thought are we putting into it on a day-to-day basis? And the answer is like, we don't know much because we've only had the one movie and how much effort is being put into it changes week to week. And I don't think that's necessarily Goodwin's problem. I think this is a lot of like Infantino just being like, ah, I don't know, fuck it. It's a space thing. But it, I mean, this is really a time. It's it's so it's, it's the exact opposite of what we were talking about earlier, where everything now is sort of like a focused miniseries with an arc yeah. and stuff like that. Back then it was just like, we just need a book this month. 
just keep it going. It's just about keeping the machine going, right? It's just yeah. about we got to put something out. And uh, some issues feel more, uh, I don't know, well thought out and well like produced than others. And that's the thing with monthly comics is sometimes you just like it's it's a roller coaster ride, man. Like it's not all going to be winners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially at this time, we're really not like crafting. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, say, say what you will, even about some of the greats, like we're talking like uh, Claremont's X-Men, like there are ups and downs in that run. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> number one, it goes on forever. So you're telling me that nothing's going to be good for like 17 years. Right. To, uh, consistently every month. There uh, are some filler issues in Walt Simonson's Thor run that I are just like, okay, okay, moving on. Uh, all I know is Han gets kawudded good here. He gets a big fucking kawud. Because, yeah, he's fighting this guy. There's some back and forth. Han's constantly thinking at himself, even though we see what's going on. Don't worry about it. Um, eventually, he whams the monster with his mace, and apparently it snaps it off at the hilt. Say what you will. He gets a good wham in. He gets a good wham. Uh, but that's not. Bef- that's only after he do- dodges a shrimp. Yeah, and that was that was going to be a fatal trip. Also, if these dagger thorns are presumably part of something else, how are they yeah. still secreting venom? Oh well, <laughs> now that they've been broken off. Oh, there's a question nobody thought about. They just secrete venom. All right, whatever. Anyway, yeah, Han gets kawuded. He gets kicked in the face. Yeah. I think they just like the term secrete venom. Um, That's fair. I th- actually think he gets kicked in the chest because he complains about broken ribs here in a second. Yeah, and that does kind of look like that there. Uh, and so he gets sent flying across. So we better check in with the, uh, what's the crowd think of this? They love it. They're loving it. Buy low, sell high. <laughs> does this look like a trading floor? Look, all we uh, know is that uh, betting on Han Solo is for closers. <laughs> Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Because <laughs> yeah, they're they're every it says everyone has stopped what they're doing to watch the big game. They're watching Han Solo the get arena? the shit kicked out of him. Simula scenery. Sure, it's not the hollow deck. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I also I just love the last caption of the, of this first panel. The crowd sniffs blood. Mm, that's blood. We love blood. Hooray, blood. Mm, uh, blood. But I'll, I'll tell you who's having a real good time. Strom. Uh, remember what we were talking about lounging earlier? Apparently he bought this uh, couch off of uh, Crimson Jack's ship. Because look <laughs> at it. That's the same thing. And look at this. He's got He's got a martini in hand and a droid on the way with another. Well, specifically, this is the Grand Casino's Royal Lounge. So this isn't on his starship. Right. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah, this is... Uh, I'm sorry, the wheel has the same furniture dealer as Crimson Jack. So what I'm assuming happened is Crimson Jack ripped off a casino, stole some of their lounge chairs, and installed them on his Star Destroyer. So insane, he didn't take any money, he just took our chairs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they are good chairs, man. But yeah, I just, and he's just like, oh, that's the stuff. Uh And just Gray Shade standing in the corner going, "Mm, satisfied, Strom? <laughs> yeah. Bad. There's some kink going on here that I don't have time to analyze. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just oh man. Uh and back to once again, this guy is all over the place. Have we considered a bipolar diagnosis for Strom? 
Oh, yeah, baby. Love it. Yeah, yeah I, Love I was in a blind fury a couple of pages ago, but now I'm totally soothed and relaxed as I watch a man get beat to death on live TV. Yo, this is exactly what I needed. Yeah, so and sad. we find out that uh, Strom has given his crew shore leave so that they can gamble on the proceedings. And Grayshade is like, well, your crew's having a good time, so you look like a good commander. And they're losing their money, so I'm making money. So I'm having a good time, too. We're both just bastards. Remember that fact. Every single page with these two is just like, <laughs> God, I love being a piece of shit, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Uh, uh, but anyway, meanwhile, I also forget his name is Simon Grayshade. Simon's such a good bad guy name, too. <laughs> Simon Grayshade. Uh, good evening, Mr. Bond. Shall we meet again, Grayshade? Oh, uh, he would make a great Bond villain. Grayshade is a perfect Bond villain name. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. His name is Simon Grayshade 007. Uh, he runs a series of expensive casinos around the world. Your mission... I mean, that's kind of what it is. They call them the wheel. Yeah. Uh, uh. Thing, this whole thing just is a monster. Uh, and in, the, in that story, Strom would be like a, a KGB like general, right? Yeah. Right? He's, working yeah. With, he's working with Smirch. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Uh, all right. And then, okay. Uh, yet uh, a, a little while. Here come uh, uh, 3PO and R2 in their closet. Yeah, and we have All a worker right. coming in being drop. like, okay, drop them. We got to rinse out your brain. Unfasten your faceplate, Goldie. Ew. Yeah, no, this has got a real, like, prison abuse kind of feel to it. Drop and spread them, 3PO. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why? Uh, so that appears to be a memory flush unit. I do love the idea that, like, in the technical world of droid maintenance, we still use the word flush. We gotta, we hey, yeah, we gotta flush those memories, those memories out of this robot's head. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But must be mistake. Another robot intercedes because yes, that's right. It's time for the sexiest droid in the galaxy to come back. It's Mastercom. Oh yeah, I'll take it from here, fellas. The droids are a subject of a study I'm conducting. They must oh. come with me. A sexy study. I love, I don't like machines pulling rank, but then again, you are Mastercom. So. <laughs> Who am I to question Mastercom? Oh, this is the wording I had to go back on a few times. Okay, I want to read this because this is so weirdly and convolutedly worded. Mm -hmm. I don't like machines pulling rank, but since you're the wheel's master computer, or at least Senator Grayshade's walking around personalized version of it, I guess I don't have much choice. Walking around personalized version of it was like, oh, yeah, no. that's just it's a just word salad. Yeah. yeah, it's just. I had to, I, it took me a second to go like, you're the master computer. Why even just go, you're the wheels master computer. Why add the, or at least Senator Gray Shades. You could even just leave it at, but like walking around personal version of it, dash, dash. I guess I don't have much. That's also a lot to put in one word bubble too. Yeah. And look, there's this thing with older sci-fi where concepts that you and I grasp almost immediately, whereas just like, 
okay, we're perfectly cognizant of the fact that the Mastercom is the whole ship's computer. It just happens right. to have a, an ambulatory body that it can right. use to interact with people. That's a concept we're totally familiar with in terms of other sci-fi. Though you are a computer, you are also a robot connected to a larger computer system. Yeah, it is right. sort of like... They might but as the, well say that. They uh, have to keep reiterating it in this comic book because I feel like they're just trying to hammer home that concept to people who'd be like, well, 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 but is he the computer or is he the robot? I can't follow this gobbledygook. <laughs> uh, now, here's a perfect example of 3PO having this yellow shaded, yep, these yellow shaded word balloons. And he does on this panel, the next panel, but then on... The, the third panel of him here, he has one in yellow and one in white. Yeah, though something I did notice on this, specifically with the lettering, is the droid speech bubbles are more angular and like squared off. And I the people speech bubbles is more circular, traditional speech bubbles. I, like I think that. that's a good differentiation, yeah. But I like but I like that they were differentiating 3PO and Mastercom by 3PO being in sort of the gold-backed one. Mm -hmm. and, but then they break from that within the same panel even. Well, and it gets even more confusing in this last panel of the page when we cut to a droid in the medical bay and we find out that Luke's somehow broken out of his coma and the hospital here. And it gets confusing because earlier in this page, we have 3PO using the yellow speech bubbles. And so when we see a gold droid in this last panel using yellow speech bubbles, it almost seems like 3PO has teleported to the hospital, but that is not, in fact, 3PO. Yes, and he has he has a different color. He has a different shade of gold in his. Yeah, color. and that might just be a coloring issue for the yeah. like, digital scans. You, it's tough to tell know. sometimes with that. Um, it's weird. Um, because oh, yeah, oh. Mastercom has interceded and has saved three PO and R two because he's compelled to study them because of their loyalty to the rebel friends they arrived with. Yeah, this is this is one of those that's like, okay, I understand you like need him to get them out of there, so we're just gonna kinda go, eh, yeah, okay. Well Mastercom specifically says your initiative on behalf of your young master from the time you arrived on the wheel has been fascinating. I requested permission <laughs> from the senator to observe you. Your loyalty is <laughs> arousing. And while he did not specifically grant it, he did not specifically deny it either. I didn't hear a no. <laughs> oh, Mastercom. Oh, Mastercom. Slow it down. Oh, yeah. It's time to take you back to Mastercom swinging pad. <laughs> Mastercom. Mastercom. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Isaac Hayes as Mastercom. <laughs> you I'd, damn right. I'd, I'd watch that. Oh, uh, in a heartbeat, man. I'm in fact, I'm mad that doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, we don't have enough smooth talking droids in Star Wars. It's you true. God damn right. Because uh, on the next page, we get a like wild illustration of Mastercom in like purple and black shadow, <laughs> and an alarm is going off, and so his nipple is lighting up. Yep. Ooh. Ooh, daddy like. <laughs> His robo nipples are igniting. Ooh, hell, it's an alarm going off. That's the stuff. 
<laughs> Don't stop. Because uh, we cut back to Senator Grayshade's suite, and uh, Leia is making her escape with that knife she has uh, yeah, purloined earlier. She's making that escape, you know, by just jamming a knife into a circuit <laughs> breaker or whatever. I do love her internal monologue here when she says, R2-D2 could have done this without the pyrotechnics, but then he wouldn't have had to do it with a serving knife. <laughs> yeah. This fucking robot has it too good, man. <laughs> I just like... easy to him. I always like when Leia isn't, like, sequestered as the, the captured princess, right? Like, she keeps oh, yeah. getting captured. That's sort of, like, the princess role in a space opera type story sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very she... Flash gordon -y. Right, but it's 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 a Flash Gordon-y if, if, if Dale was able to go like, ah, oh, just pick this lock. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I like that Princess Leia consistently were shown. Every time she is captured in this book so far, it has been a thing where it's like, well, fuck this, I'm just going to break out. My new favorite, though, is the pose of Master Calm stroking his chin like, hmm, I wonder, I Why? wonder. Why would a droid have to thoughtfully stroke his mouth? Oh, now he has the gold coloring of 3PO's. Yeah, it's all over the place. Come on. I mean, this is the kind of stuff where I'm going like, that's just general. Like, are you trying to make this hard to follow? Your human friends seem to operate with the same persistence as you two. It is most interesting, but quite futile. <laughs> Particularly for the princess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we get Master Calm for the next page, too, as he's leaning around. His dialogue boxes have gone back to white, and 3PO's have gone back to gold. <sighs> yep, yep. And we also get a questioning, but deep? I do like all of R2's sounds, though I do not like R2's posture in the fourth panel of this page, when he's, like, <laughs> doing what? a weird forward lean. Boopy poppy. Yeah. Boopy poppy. Yeah, and that's fine. He's being excitable because he is watching Han Solo get murdered on TV. I, wouldn't, I mean, the, the the swivel effect makes it seem like I've never seen R2 do a double take. What? what, what? <laughs> Stop in his tracks, but look, look, like the top part of him is still being carried forward. I'm actually shocked we've never seen that. It seems like he's perfectly designed to do a double take. Yeah. Actually, now this is one thing that the comics improving upon. And then they're all do all to look at Han Solo on this last panel. They're all doing this weird lean, like, huh? Yeah, I do like that? that this final panel is basically a recreation of the cover, albeit in less like detail and color. But it's him, Atu, but he's doomed, and there's nothing we can do. Yeah. But let me let me ask you this, three PO. What were you going to do in any circumstance? What were you going to do in any circumstance to get him out of a gladiatorial ring? 3PO, if you were standing right there, could you do anything? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. If 3PO is here to save you, you're doomed anyway. <laughs> Best right. case scenario, he falls through a droid factory and has his head put on a different droid's oh, body. Oh, the finest moment in all of Star Wars. <laughs> That's best case scenario. You know that that they added all that after they shot the movie. Yeah, because he I thought it that. needed a fun scene. Man, oh, just further proof of you know, look. George Lucas has a lot of good ideas, but sometimes his in the moment impulses are just disastrous. <laughs> and the fact that he can bend millions of dollars worth of production time into those bad ideas makes it oh, even larger God. of a disaster. Well, and what's great is if you watch the scene, as soon as you hear that was shot separately, you're like. No, I see it, because it literally has no bearing on anything else in that scene. 
I mean, that's Attack of a Clone. Attack of the Clones <laughs> in a nutshell, right? It's like, what yeah. scenes have any bearing on any other scenes? Yeah, some parts. Uh, there's some really cool parts of Attack of Clones. Um, and Besides them- Obi-Wan's very consistent noir detective story. It's happening as a separate movie. And that's a better movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I'm all on board for noir detective Obi-Wan. Uh, mainly because that's the movie I keep pitching to Disney. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Uh, but we cut back to Han. He's in trouble, right? But thankfully, he's learned some lessons from Captain America. <laughs> he does. Uh, when Han Solo throws his mighty shield. Um, who stand against him, his shield will yield. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he's grabbing the shield, even though it's going to burn his hand, while it beats getting a dagger thorn to the chest. So he throws it, he hits this thing in the shin, and it mm. falls over with a whoom. And it takes way too long for this to happen. <laughs> it's Look at this progression of he picks it up, he throws it, we see the thing hit, and he falls. Now, I understand that logically what I just described makes sense, but there's something weird about the pacing, and I think a lot of it is just uh, taking up the whole page to do this. And two, the constant wordiness. And that's the, the thing. Throw- when, you, when you have a quick, violent motion... Yeah is easy to understand why you would break it down into multiple panels so you can get the details of exactly what's happening. The problem is when you have that in a comic book and then introduce a bunch of captions on top of that, what that forces you to do is instead of like focusing from image to image to image to image to get you a quick like flip book style capture in your head of what just happened, you have to stop and consider each individual image while you also read the captions. So it, makes a quick violent motion much slower than it should be. And that's a big problem across not just this book, but I feel like a lot of this era of comics is there is this uh, need to explain what's going on without, we keep talking about it, but it's this sort of thing about they're not trusting the visuals to tell the story. Yeah. Which is sort of like, well, then why are you writing a comic book? You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like... Also, I would be interested to know what Marvel's pay scale was for writers at this time and whether or not they're getting paid by the word. Yeah, by the word? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be. Uh, because I do think, I mean, a lot of people credit, you know, the Frank Miller Daredevil with sort of being one of the first things to really let the visuals carry it. Well, and you even, I think Frank Miller is an interesting digression here because you even look at something like uh, Dark Knight Returns, right? Whereas that is a book that uses narrating captions specifically and quick cut panels in a way where there are times where it is purposefully slowing down the action so that you have to consider the mentality of the character you're inhabiting here but they're not and this is important describing what's happening on the panel (laughs) right right yeah absolutely that's that that that's and I think that a lot of that comes from in the 80s because we get the rise of guys like Frank Miller or John Byrne who were writer artists so they're mm-hmm. they're thinking of them. They're think which is sort of like well they should have been thinking of this the whole time. But like the medium yeah. is the combination of those two, and there is something about when you get somebody who can really write and draw Simonson as well, right? Um, these are people who are thinking of it as an entwined medium, so it just is so natural. That's why writer artists uh, scare the shit out of writers, right? Because it's like, yeah. man, if it, we, what do you even need us for? If you can do that, it's always going to be better. I mean, Jack Kirby was the same way, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, uh, like from his point of view, he's maybe even like hindered by his association with writers like Stanley. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I mean, you know, and and Kirby had great ideas, man. He was not the greatest dialogue writer, but loved no. the man. Obviously, he's the king. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, boy, I don't like any of these close-ups on the next page. Uh, the big pink watch. thumb that he has an existential crisis suddenly. <laughs> he looks like the Centaurans from Doctor Who a little bit here. He does! He does, yeah. All of a sudden. But I'm like, what What did Han do to him that made his whole body like expand into a blob? Well, I got scratched by one of the dagger thorns because, yeah, when Han made him trip, he oh. did it so that the thing scratched itself with a dagger thorn. And now it is pissed because it knows it's going to die. So if it's going to die, it's going to take Han Solo with it. So he lums at him with a mighty raroom. Uh, but he's failed in by a crack. Because <laughs> Han, in his clever approach to this fight, manages to grab a rock. I mean, I'll give them this. They, I, I will give them this. They don't have Han Solo show any fighting ability I don't believe he would have. That's true. Yeah, like, how does Han Solo, he throws something at a guy's, sh- how does he win? He throws something at a guy's shin and then stops the last blow from killing him with a rock. <laughs> I mean, I do like that. It's not like all of a sudden Han Solo is this amazing gladiator. It really is a lot of luck and quick thinking. So I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Um, but... uh the best line of dialogue in this is Gray Shade, you smooth mouth fumbler. <laughs> that yeah. is a comic book villain line. This is the last pa- page of this issue, and with our last panel is after Han has not died in this first round. Uh, Strom is like, but you promised me him dead. It was promised a corpse of a space pilot. <laughs> ah! But, uh, but Grey Shade's part- rejoinder is, I'm s- not certain, Strom, but bear in mind, this was only a preliminary match. Solo must still endure the main event. There is no chance that this doesn't end up with Han and Chewie fighting, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, I thought that's what this issue was going to be. Little did I know they're just going to drag this out even longer, though. But of course that's... And next issue, as Han faces that challenge, Luke comes under the... Shadow of a Dark Lord. Who is this Dark Lord in a Star Wars book? It could be anybody, John. Who could it be? Who could it be? It's a mystery. We may not know ever. Like, uh, there are so many Dark Lords in Star Wars, especially this time with only the one movie. Like, our our options are limitless. At this point, the the franchise is rife with Dark Lords. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, next issue we're getting some Vader back, and I'm very excited yeah. about that. I am too, although it's already been somewhat spoiled for me that it may not be the way you want Vader back exactly. Yeah, well, it is what it is. But I'll uh, take my dark, look, I'll take my dark lord however you want to give him to me. Uh, yeah, I usually <laughs> take mine black. Mm. <laughs> I don't mind that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was issue number 20 of Star Wars. Uh, Han's just again. getting warmed up in the gladiator pits. Uh, Next week, it's the main event. It's the main event. We've still got two issues left in this uh, this arc here. Actually, three, I think. Um, 
Jesus Christ, of course. Why not? There could be 40 based on the the pacing they're putting this at. <laughs> but good news is Luke's not in a coma anymore, so you know. Oh, look, our hero is conscious. So be happy about that, folks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's all yep. victories from here on out, John. All of our characters are conscious. They're kind <laughs> of in the same place. Like, what more could you want? Oh, this book loves to break up our cast. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I recognize that the the best Star Wars movie from an objective standpoint breaks up most of the cast for most of the movie, but you know, that was yeah, good. I was gonna say, is does I think Luke's in the same like scene as everybody else twice in Empire? Like once at the beginning yeah. and once at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but even still, then in well, Empire, like he only shares a scene with everybody when he's coming out of the back to tank at the beginning of right. Empire. Because hmm. when he comes back, Han's already in Carbonite when they meet back up in Cloud City. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. Hmm. But then he meets that sick, sick, smooth bastard, Lando Calrissian. <laughs> How y'all doing? Yeah. Hello, what have we here? I am excited to get past Empire Strikes Back in the comics specifically because Lando becomes more of a presence in the comics. Love in that Lando. Era. Also, it's just it's more information for the comics creators to have about this world. <laughs> yes, yes, more context. You can already feel it's like we need another movie. We've run out of things to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, of course. Uh, yeah. Make sure to. Uh, Check out all the other content we have here, uh, either on the podcast network or the YouTube channel. Yeah. Like I said, we did that review of uh, Jedi Survivor a while back. Go check that out over exclusively on the YouTube channel. We've also doing our monthly uh, panel up episodes where we do uh, reviews of more current pop culture stuff. We're also doing sporadic movie reviews on the on the YouTube channel with panel up uh, or punch up goes to the movies. Uh, so lots of cool content there. Absolutely. Um, you can also find all of the other shows from the uh, Punch-Up Entertainment Network, including Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters, where John Campbell and uh, that other guy, I forget his name, um, Jones, <laughs> I think. Anyway. Jones, yeah. We exhaustively, <laughs> we like to say we exhaustively talk about the history of Monster <laughs> Yes, and absolutely. Up too. Uh, and of uh, course, you can also listen to Gurgoni, your uh, tabletop role-playing show, not D&D, &D, uh, but a colloquially used term. It is the Kleenex of TTRPGs. It's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, material components you can find over there as well. And uh, yeah, of course, the best way to sh support this show is to do so on our patron page, which is podbean.com slash punch up. Uh, there you can get all sorts of exclusive content, including uh, commentaries from the action shelf, bonus episodes of material components, uh, some kind of other monster stuff for Campbell and Jones meets the monsters. I believe you're uh, watching yeah, yeah. Kolchak the Night Stalker. Yeah, we're we're about halfway through the run of Kolchak, the Night Stalker, on there right now. So you can get that over there on the show called Nights Talking. Mm. So lots of fun stuff to be had over there. Plus some new stuff well, is always in the pipeline over on the Patreon content. So don't miss out on any of that. Uh, and if you're watching us over on YouTube, feel free to subscribe. Hit that like button. Hit that dongle the bongle down below. And uh, let us know in the comments below uh, which character in this story arc so far would be the best Mortal Kombat fighter. Because obviously... <laughs> The fake pink Rhino Goro is an obvious choice, but I think Master Calm is the dark horse in this race. Oh, but he just seduces everybody. He doesn't fight. I'm a <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, I think his uh, fatality would be uh, more sensual than we're used to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap things up for this week. Absolutely. And as always, I've been Mike Gergoni. I'm John Campbell. 
and may the panel be with you. Thank <laughs> you.